Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Good morning, friends and faithful listeners. Happy Monday. And I'm so excited that you're here to share a cup of coffee or a cup of tea this morning with me as we read the next portion of Judges together. So how was your weekend? Did you have a nice sunny weekend? Last week was insane for me, you guys. I I don't think I've had a busier week. I had um, my family in town who I was hosting, but now I am excited to just relax this week. But I hope your guys' weekend was really fantastic and that you got a lot of rest on Saturday and Sunday. So let's get into God's word this morning. We're going to be talking about Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through, let's see here, one through 10 today. And this is the portion where we're going to finally be introducing the next judge, which is Gideon. So grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, and let's enjoy reading God's word together. The children of Israel did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. So Yahweh delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of Midian, the children of Israel made themselves the dens which are in the mountains, the caves and the strongholds. So it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the children of the east came up against them. They encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth until you came to Gaza. They left no sustenance in Israel and no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they came up with their livestock and their tents. They came in as locusts for multitude. Both they and their camels were without number, and they came into the land to destroy it. Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the children of Israel cried to Yahweh. When the children of Israel cried to Yahweh because of Midian, Yahweh sent a prophet to the children of Israel, and he said to them, Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am Yahweh, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not listened to my voice. So while Deborah was the judge back in Judges chapter five and four, the land of Israel had rest for 40 years. And this is pretty typical of Israel. Whenever the judge dies, typically Israel falls into some sort of like debauchery again. And so that's what happens here in Judges chapter six. Seems like Deborah has died and the children of Israel now do what was evil in Yahweh's sight. This is what like every single chapter basically of Judges starts out with. It says, the children of Israel did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. (laughs) But I don't think we realize how much evil Israel did. Because first and foremost, Yahweh is very, very gracious to Israel all the time. And he's very patient. So Israel really would have had to do a lot of evil in order for God to take his hand of blessing off of Israel. But it seems to me, if I'm really looking at the scriptures, it kind of seems to me that Israel was always following after different gods and idols, even while God was like blessing Israel. So while Deborah was the judge, perhaps Israel was like less evil than they normally were. But then once Deborah died and there was no leader, there was no judge, then Israel like fell back into like terrible amounts of idolatry and debauchery, especially as the years went on. And they would forget the miraculous things that God did for them because God helping Barak 
defeat Sisera in the last chapter was miraculous. But people, as, as the years go by, people forget what God does, right? They forget the good things and the blessings that God gives them, especially as like trouble comes their way or as they get like used to the blessings, they become complacent. And this is a very common human thing, right? When we get complacent, we often forget about God who gives us the blessings that we have. So Israel starts doing evil again by worshiping these other pagan gods that Yahweh God never wanted Israel to worship. Yahweh God only wanted Israel to worship him because he was their God, but they did not worship him. They started worshiping the other gods. And so Yahweh delivers them into the hand of Midian for seven years. That it only took Israel seven years to cry out to Yahweh as compared to like 18 years or 20 years, like we read in the previous chapters when they were in bondage, they would, you know, take so long to cry out to Yahweh. But now here, they only took seven years. But here's the thing. Midian was awful to Israel. Look at what Israel had to do. They had to hide themselves in the dens that are in the mountains, caves and the strongholds. So they had to like go and make like caves for themselves and like live in caves. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a cave, but I love caves. I think they are fantastically creepy and amazing. And they have a whole ecosystem that is just weird. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of unique insects and bugs and creepy things that like live in caves. I went down to, um, the largest cave system in America, which is Mammoth Cave. And uh, there is something in those caves called a cave cricket. And I'm sure all of you guys that live down in Kentucky know exactly what I'm talking about. These cave crickets are disgusting. They are vile little creatures. They are huge and they have these long legs and they, they jump and they are like crickets that live inside of a cave. So Israel was brought so low from the Midianites that they'd have to go live in caves with these vile insects and and animals that like live in this in these like cave systems that's what Israel was doing instead of being able to like live out in normal civilization they had to go hide themselves in caves and make themselves like strongholds and stuff from Midian and that's how awful Midian was and not only did the Israelites have to like not live in their homes. Midian took everything from the Israelites, not just their homes, but they took all the sheep, all the oxen, all the donkeys, all the meat that the Israelites could eat. And they left no sustenance in Israel is what it says in verse four. So they would come in these Midianites with their camels is what it says. And they would take everything from Israel. They would like take all the wheat, all the barley, all the grain that Israel would produce, all the wine and just like totally take it from them. So they were like killing off the Israelites through starvation, basically. That's how much these Midianite people hated the Israelites. Like imagine if some foreign country comes into your homeland and took everything that you had, everything. They took your home. You had to go like hide away in a cave and live with the cave crickets and you had nothing to eat. Okay, because for seven years, anything that you produced was being fully taken away from you. You had no money because everything was given to the foreign nation that was like coming in. It was terrible for the Israelites. For seven years, they dealt with this. So let me ask you a question. 
How did it take them seven years to cry out to God in this circumstance? How did it take them this long? Like we look at this and we're like, oh, it only took them seven years this time. So maybe their hearts weren't so bad. But this seems like extra terrible, like what these Midianites did to Israel as compared to the other nations previously that took over Israel. This seems extra terrible. And Israel took seven years of this, of this starvation and everything being taken away from them before they cried out to God. So are we doing the same thing that the Israelites are doing? Are we waiting to pray to God? Are we waiting until things get so terrible to pray to God? Is prayer our first resort or our last resort? It needs to be our first resort because God is so big. He's so powerful. He's so above us and he actually wants us to pray to him. It actually says in scripture to cast all of your cares and worries on God's shoulders, basically, like literally throw all of your worries on to God. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I really love that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, because it makes an excellent point in that song where it says, oh, what needless shame we bear. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And it's like so true. We have so much shame. We have so much pain. We have so many problems that we just like bear ourselves because we don't bring them to God in prayer. Prayer should be our first resort. When something bad happens, our first thought is we need to go pray about this. I need to go pray about this. I need to take five minutes and just talk to God or read my Bible or do something to pray about this situation that's going on. But Israel didn't do that. It took them seven years. It says in verse six that Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the children of Israel finally cry out to Yahweh in verse six. So it took them seven long years for Israel to cry out to God. And so it says, when the children of Israel cried to Yahweh because of Midian. So basically like right after God was like waiting for them to just cry out to him again. Yahweh sent a prophet, an unnamed prophet. We don't know who he is, but this prophet brings a message to Israel. And this is a very consistent message with all the other messages we hear to Israel which is Israel, you done messed up here. <laughs> and so this prophet says, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am Yahweh, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not listened to my voice. So here's the thing about this prophecy. The Israelites were like taking all of God's blessings to them without worshiping God in return. They were just like, oh, God, you know, thanks for the, the blessings of the land and for destroying our enemies and, you know, gi giving us their land. But we're not actually going to worship you. We're going to worship these other gods right here. And so the Israelites began fearing the gods of the Amorites instead of fearing Yahweh God. The Israelites were fearing something fake, something that they didn't even need to fear because Yahweh was the true God and Yahweh was the one who was like destroying the Amorite gods by bringing the Israelites into that land. 
right? And and all the people before who were like worshiping these Amorite gods were being driven out of the land and Israel was going in. Israel, who was supposed to worship Yahweh God, but Israel starts fearing these other gods that were powerless and were fake. And so because of this, Israel causes themselves to sin greatly against God. They start worshiping the gods of the Amorites, the gods of sex and of self and of burning children at the altar and human sacrifice and whatever else weird worship rituals that the Amorites would do. The the Israelites start doing that. And God was so clear from the beginning. He said, if I give you this beautiful land and drive all these people out and give you that land in their place, you're going to smash down all those altars. You're going to get rid of all the idols. You're not going to worship them. You're going to worship me, the God who gave you all of this. So the Israelites were taking the blessing without blessing God in return. So the Israelites did this to themselves, even though... You can try to blame God by saying like, oh, you know, at the at the top of this portion, it says God did it. God did it. And later on, we're going to find out that Gideon, when we're introduced to him, that he starts blaming God when he uh, is talking to God. He's like, God, you know, you did this. You're the one who caused us to, you know, be stuck with Midian's control over us. You did this to us. But it wasn't God. It was the Israelites who did this. They were destroying themselves. They were destroying their own children. And not only that, they were causing spiritual death for themselves because the Old Testament law, what they should have been following was the truth. The Old Testament law was what would give them life, eternal life. And yet they weren't following that. They were following the gods of the Amorites, the the gods that would give them eternal death. And so God cares so much about the Israelites' souls that he was willing to sell them into the hands of the Midians and bring Israel very low for seven years in order to get Israel back on the right track for Israel and for all the children who are going to come after this generation here. And that is because God cares about the human soul. And there's there's portions of scripture that actually say that God's discipline of us is very good and we shouldn't we should never reject God's discipline. Even though it hurts at the time, even though it's no fun, God does it for a specific reason and he does it because he loves us. God here in a sense was disciplining Israel because he loved Israel and he wanted the Israelites to be back on track, to be back on track with the truth and to have a relationship with Yahweh again. But the second Israel begins crying out to Yahweh. What does Yahweh do? He sends a prophet and he's about to send another judge to go destroy Midian for the Israelites. So God loves it when we cry out to him. He loves it when we turn our hearts back toward him. He loves a humble heart. So instead of getting to the point that the Israelites got to right here, where they're oppressed for seven whole years when they didn't have to be, We should be crying out to God on a daily basis, asking him to humble us, asking him to bless us, asking him to help us, and just praising him and giving him glory as a holy father, giving him the praise that he greatly deserves for all the blessings that he's given us. So my challenge is, 
once again, I, I love to end every episode with a challenge. <laughs> Because no matter what portion of scripture we're in, I'm sure I could find a challenge for you guys. But um, my challenge for all of you listening is to spend a few moments in prayer each day this week. Just take some time to sit down and to pray to God, to give him glory because he is holy, to, to thank him for all the blessings that he's given you, and to ask him to help humble you and humble your heart to receive whatever truths he might reveal to you this week. And honestly, if you do that this week, you're going to just see your relationship with God just get so much better. Maybe you'll have more peace in your life. Maybe you'll have more happiness. Maybe you won't be so depressed or anxious or stressed. You never know how God is going to work in your life when you begin speaking to him more. Well, faithful listeners, prayer is very important. God loves it when we pray to him because prayer isn't just like asking for stuff. You know, it's it's having an actual relationship with the God who made you, you know, so it, it's a lot more than just asking for things. It is literally just talking to God. And uh, somebody I, I was listening to a while back actually said that one of the ways that she prays is literally just by talking to God at the end of the day and being like, hey, God, you know. I did this today, I did that today, and it was a lot of fun, I enjoyed this aspect of my day, and and it, she, she literally just like talks to God the way, you know, you or me would talk to a friend, you know, like on the phone. And you know, I thought that was kind of cool because that's kind of the essence of prayer. Prayer is just a conversation with God. And it might include asking God for things, but it, it doesn't always have to. It can be, you know, praying for somebody else. It can be talking to God about your day. It can be um, just giving God praise and glory. Well, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms or share it with somebody that you think might need today's message from Judges chapter six. Now we're going to be talking about Gideon on Wednesday and being introduced to the next judge of Israel, Gideon. And Gideon, he's a funny guy. I like Gideon. He's He's an interesting judge. And you know what's so cool about the judges is they all, for the most part, are very flawed human beings that God just works with. And it's really cool to um, to read their stories and how God's mercy just like works with any flawed individual. But all right, guys, I will see you all on Wednesday if I don't see you tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.